All right, I want to talk today, as promised, on the now and the not yet of the kingdom. The now and the not yet of the kingdom. Jesus teaches us to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to talk on the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God on a biblical framework, if you like, for how do we understand the kingdom that Jesus initiated right now? How do we understand that kingdom in our lives, in our church, in our world in 2021? Uh, I admit my message is at times my random musings on the nature of Jesus' kingdom, uh, but hopefully it's deeply grounded in scripture. But it is also a collection of thoughts I've gathered along the way. And look, as I said last week, the kingdom of God is a major theme, is the major theme of the Gospels, particularly the synoptics, Matthew, Mark and Luke. But even John, whenever he talks about eternal life, the, the Greek for that is the life of the age to come, which is the kingdom. So soaked through the Gospels is this idea of the life of the age to come, the kingdom of God breaking in. And it's an anchor point of hope for my soul, firm and secure. Now, what do I mean by that? Particularly when I think the kingdom can feel a bit elusive. I mean, Jesus spoke about it in parables and demonstrations and signs and teachings. But it's, sometimes it's a hard thing to wrap our heads around, particularly for what does it mean right now? The Lutheran theologian Paul Tillich expressed it well. Talking about faith and the nature of the kingdom, he said this. He said, we only want to show you something we have seen and tell you something we have heard. That here and there in the world, now and then in ourselves, is a new creation. Here and there, now and then, in the world, in us, a new creation is being formed in our midst. That's good. <laughs> I like that a lot. Someone from outside our community recently messaged me and they're doing it really tough at the moment. And they're really praying and hoping for a miracle. And the more I grasped their situation, the more my heart broke to see Jesus' kingdom break into their lives and to change what they were going through. Uh, by that, of course, what I mean is that King Jesus, who comes to reign and to set things right, I longed to see that setting of things right happen in her life right now. Not just in future hope, but as Jesus showed us to pray, may your kingdom come. Now, she was particularly asking in regard to healing. Is it possible? Uh, can God do something about my situation? Uh, if so, how and what? And, and lots of questions around why or why would God not do this? And I think at some stage in all of our lives, we will probably be faced with similar questions. You know, our faith, is it just relating to something that we believe that Jesus did and accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection that then gives us an eternal hope in the forgiveness of sins? Or is there more? Is there more? Can we expect to see the same things that Jesus did in the Gospels in our lives and in our times? You know, what's the efficacy of our faith? What does it translate to in our experience as the people of God here and now? You know, I don't think any of us, 
I would hope and assume, would think that God is some kind of slot machine. You know, we, we put a prayer in and we, we, we just get the answer that we want out. But on the flip side of that, Jesus did say things like, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I've seen both. I've seen remarkable signs of Jesus' kingdom breaking in. Um, character transformed. Uh, you know, real genuine change in people's character. Uh, addictions broken off that held people in bondage. I've seen pain healed. I've seen uh, pain get relieved after prayer and prayer ministry. And I've seen great acts of compassion and generosity and hospitality that are shaped by the kingdom of God. But the reality is I've also seen heartbreaking suffering and pain and disappointment. And it can feel in some of those situations like, God, why haven't you shown up? And there's such mystery in it to me. I don't know if I can neatly package an answer. I think it's really, really difficult. What do you say to someone desperate for a situation to change? Someone who has faith, someone who has hope, someone who's believing that God can do something remarkable. You see, we believe in a God who has moved in the past decisively through Jesus. We read that in the Gospels and it leads us to having faith in him and to trusting in him as our Lord and Savior. And we believe in a God, do we not, who, we, who will move decisively at the end of time to make all things new. And we believe that in the meantime, we should have hope and expectation. And yet we should also be developing patient endurance. To my friend, I said, you may indeed see healing. And we must throw ourselves on the mercy of God and seek his kingdom to come in our lives. We must pray and, and hope and we must never give up. But we also have to take comfort sometimes in knowing that we have a future hope and a peace that can be felt now in our sufferings. So what are some of the views on the nature of the inbreaking kingdom? Uh, I came across this from J.R.R. Tolkien this week, the author of The Lord of the Rings. Has anyone read that? It's a good book. It's very big. Bigger. It's long. <laughs> this is what Tolkien said. Uh, Tolkien said, actually, I am a Christian. So but I do not expect history to be anything but a long defeat, though it contains some samples of glimpses of final victory. That's good. You know, the reality is Tolkien lived through World War I and World War II. He saw suffering and evil in this world, and it shaped a lot of his writings in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. An epic battle between kingdoms going on, between good and bad. But, you know, his faith also shaped his writing. He saw in this world glimpses of the final victory. That's why in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in this epic battle against evil and against the odds, you see these characters who have hope and who persevere and in the midst of the darkness show remarkable kindness and courage. What about Tom Wright? He says, learning to live as a Christian is learning to live as a renewed human being. 
anticipating the eventual new creation in and with a world which is still longing and groaning for that final redemption. That's good too. So life in the now is about living as an anticipation of that new creation that will come, of the kingdom fully arriving. The signs of our renewal, when our character is transformed, when we see a healing, when we see a breakthrough as human beings, whether in character transformation or generosity or becoming whole, anticipates what is still to come. And then, of course, you get the charismatic giants of the last hundred years who've encouraged us to press into the more. John Wimber, who's uh, one of uh, my heroes and a hero to many church leaders across the world. He was the keyboardist for the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> and then he got saved in the Jesus People Movement revival in California in the 1970s. But he went along at first just to a, an ordinary church. And he was reading in the Gospels and he asked the minister, when do we get to do this stuff? And so as he became a church leader himself, he took his Vineyard Church movement on a journey of releasing faith and authority and continuing in one sense to see what happens in the book of Acts, which is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus, happen today. And he had that famous quote, didn't he? He said, when we prayed for no one, no one got healed. When we prayed for everyone, some got healed. And so he asked that question, what would you prefer? Wimber describes the kingdom this way. He says, the kingdom of God is the dynamic reign or rule of God. When Jesus said that the kingdom of God had come in him, he claimed for himself the position of a divine invader coming to set everything straight. Oh, is that good? And then Wimber quotes 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. So the kingdom is Jesus invading earth to come and set things straight, to topple all the other kingdoms, the kingdoms of brokenness and ideologies and oppression. And he starts to set this world right again. And he's destroying the devil's work and his hold on this world. And this continues today, he says, as the spirit-empowered people live and work as citizens of King Jesus. Your life matters. Your work matters. Your prayers matter. Your preaching matters. Another great vineyard pastor, Rich Nathan, he says this, The kingdom of God is what things would be like if Jesus ran everything and if his will was done everywhere. The kingdom of God is what things would be like if Jesus was in charge. <laughs> That's why we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Don't we so long to see him in charge and ruling and reigning? Someone else said, it's what our world would be like as God would have it. So the kingdom now is seen every time things are like if Jesus ran things. You can imagine that with compassion and healing and justice and reconciliation and peace and so on. I don't mean to be trite. I don't mean these to be catchphrases. I mean, these, this is what his rule would look like. Here's the risk as I see it. You can overpromise and then under-deliver. And that can lead to disappointment with God and for some even a collapse of faith or, or, or bitterness towards God. 
Or the other risk is the other extreme, which is you can under-promise and then miss out on the dynamic, life-giving spirit of God who moves in his church still today. Right? You don't want it just to become all pie in the sky when you die. You know, we also believe on cake in the plate while you wait. Love cake. <laughs> Love cake. So we need a framework, don't we? We need a framework. You know, we've got to wrestle with this deeply. I've been a Christian for at least 25 years now. I'm still wrestling. <laughs> I still swing on the pendulum occasionally. But we need a framework. We need a way of thinking about our faith that keeps us hoping and expectant and participating and seeing things and celebrating it when we do, and yet patiently also enduring the hard stuff. So let's talk about the kingdom inaugurated by Jesus, the kingdom consummated by Jesus at the end, and then the time that we find ourselves in now, the incomplete kingdom or the advancing kingdom or the now and not yet kingdom of God. So let's break it up. Talk about what, we, what ages we live in. Three stages. The kingdom has come, the kingdom will come, and the kingdom is coming, which is our age, the now and not yet kingdom. So last week we talked about how in Jesus the kingdom of God has come. It gets inaugurated. Sometimes it's called inaugurated eschatology. Uh, eschatology just kind of refers to the age that we live in, the, the era, the, 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 the aeon. And we believe that in Jesus we saw an inaugurated eschatology, an inauguration of his kingdom breaking into this world. And so in Jesus, in the age of the inauguration of his kingdom, it begins. A flag is stuck in the ground, if you like, declaring a new era has begun with a new Lord. Mark 1, 14 to 15. We read this last week. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. And so repent and believe the good news. Good news, the Evangelion, a new, a new Lord is reigning on the throne. The time has come, the long-held expectations of Israel for God's time to act and set things right has arrived right now in Jesus. The kingdom of God has come near. In Jesus, we see and we hear and we experience what the rule of God would look like. Healing, casting out of evil, preaching the truth, coming in grace. And so he says, repent, have a change of mind. You know, don't follow the ways of the old lords and dominions of this earth but instead begin to follow this new king and believe the good news, right? Come and receive this gift by believing into the new life. And then in line with the expectations around Isaiah's prophecy in Luke 4, Jesus announces and then begins to fulfill Israel's hopes. Now, not to keep going too far with the Lord of the Rings analogy, but what we see is the return of the king. You know, the king's back. That's why he heals the sick, preaches good news, set the oppressed free. You know, we mentioned how John's disciples ask him, are you the one to come? And Jesus basically says, look and see. Look and see. It's happening in your midst. It's happening right now. It may not look exactly what you thought it would look like. But do not the blind see? Is not good news preached to the poor? Aren't the oppressed delivered? So that's the stage one. And then stage two, the kingdom is coming. 
The kingdom is to come, I should say. And the promise in the book of Revelation is that it is not until the end that Jesus' kingdom is fully consummated. Right? Christians believe that this life and this earth as we know it will come to an end at some stage when God comes to judge evil and to fully renew his creation. Let me read the classic passage in Revelation 21. Now remember, it's, it's apocalyptic language. It's a picture of what is to come that contains the true reality of where history is heading. Revelation 21, 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's Christian hope. And that's a beautiful picture. The promise of no more death, sickness or pain, tears wiped away, a new heaven and a new earth, a new renewed creation. God's full presence, presence, present amongst his people. You know, just like Jesus was once present as God amongst a certain people, so there will be a time when God will be fully present amongst all of his people for all time. And then in other places, the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection of the dead, us having physical bodies made new in the age to come. As I said at the start, Jesus in John 3 talks about receiving eternal life, receiving the life of the age to come, right? So there is a life that belongs to the age to come, but that we can receive it right now. So is anyone still with me? The kingdom has been inaugurated by Jesus. It will be consummated by Jesus perfectly at the end. But what about now? Well, we live in the age where the kingdom of God is still coming. It is advancing as promised. It is the here and there, now and then nature of the kingdom. It is the now of the kingdom. It is the not yet of the kingdom. The kingdom is not necessarily just the church. But the church, when it fully does the will of God, becomes a manifest witness or representation or sign of the kingdom. We see things of Jesus in part, just as we believe, as one day we will see it in full. My old professor at Regent College, Gordon Fee, he used to explain the age we live in through an analogy with World War II. Do you ever hear that one, Chris? Is that one that you heard? No. Nope. He would talk about, in World War II, D-Day and V-Day in Europe, in the fight, in the Allies' fight against the Nazis. On D-Day, the day when the Allies landed on the beaches of Normandy, a decisive victory was won as the Allies landed. And from that point, what historians tell us is that victory was then really assured for the Allies. 
But V-Day, victory in Europe, was not won, can you believe it, until eight months later with the complete fall of the Nazis. And so while victory was assured on D-Day, there continued, did there not, to be many bloody battles. There was much death, there was much suffering, but there was also incredible victories along the way until that final victory at the end. Manly Life, that's where we live right now. We live between D-Day and V-Day. In Jesus, D-Day has occurred. Victory has been secured by Jesus through his inauguration of the kingdom, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave. It secures the hope of final victory. And yet we live in a time between D-Day and V-Day where the kingdom of God is advancing, but the final victory of Jesus has yet to be won. And so it means that absolutely we see his kingdom breaking in. We see it here and there. We see it now and then. But it also means we will endure great battles, defeats and sorrow on the way. Let me leave you with this today. My apologies if it's all been a bit rambly. Not as easy to follow as usual. I think I've had a wedding on my mind. But I think Paul actually sums it up well in Philippians 3.10. In Philippians 3.10, he says this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To me, that's the mystery of the Christian faith, to know Christ deeply to know his kingdom come is to know both sides of life between D-Day and V-Day. And wasn't that Paul's story? I mean, Paul did miracles. Paul was anointed. He saw thousands come to faith. He saw people heal. He saw the gifts of the Spirit get released into the church. And yet 2 Corinthians tells us that there was also a thorn in his side that he prayed for multiple times to be taken away by God. And yet he had to learn patient endurance and suffering in the midst of his own things that conflicted him. And so Paul says, I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know the victory of new life right now breaking in. The in-breaking kingdom, bringing healing, changing character, breaking addictions, wonderful reconciliation, and of course, salvation in Christ. But also to know Christ, to know his kingdom, is to participate in his sufferings. It is that we actually don't get it all now. And we do suffer. And we do still go through loss. And we do still go through pain. And actually, I would suggest that isn't even the absence of God. It is truly knowing and becoming like Christ. The kingdom now, the kingdom not yet, means we see the amazing, even in the ordinary and the hard. And so we develop patient endurance and the character of Christ gets formed in us. All right, I better stop. <laughs> There's a lot you could say, right? 
We could launch off from a hundred points of this sermon into a hundred passages and a hundred sermons from there. But really what I'm left is just praying, Lord, let your kingdom come. <laughs> Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Have not we seen it in Jesus? Do not we hope for it in eternity? And yet we experience it now. Here and there. Now and then. But Lord, we want more. So Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We bring before you our prayers, our requests, our worries and our pain. And Lord God, we say, Lord, make us new. Renew all things. Father, we long to see your kingdom come in all of its facets, in all of life. And yet we know, Lord God, you're also creating endurance in us and patience. Help us to be faithful in the waiting and yet hopeful in the praying. Lord, let your kingdom come.